Father, this morning we just come to you. You are the author of life. You are life. Outside you, everything is death, Lord. It's death pretending to be life. But ultimately, it is death. And if we choose it, it will lead us to eternal separation from you. Your word is life. You said, I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. You said, choose life. And you said, I am your life. Help us to choose life today, Lord. It's not easy. Because everything around us looks real. It's not easy. But Father, help us, help us. Give us wisdom, discernment. Open our eyes to pursue, to understand, to live and to walk and grow in thy kingdom. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Over the weeks we've been looking at the king and the kingdom. Can you hear it at the back? Okay, because this is inline so people around the world can hear, but people, a few people sitting here, especially Ajay, you know, has to hear. We've been looking at the king and the kingdom. And our perspective will decide our priorities in life. How do we see? Do we see the world or do we see the kingdom? Do we see ourselves as in the world but not of it? But in the world and of it. Okay? So that's why we see in, uh, in the, in the First statement concerning the kingdom in the new covenant. The first statement concerning the kingdom in the new covenant, if you come to Matthew and uh, chapter 3, Matthew and chapter 3 and verse 2. It's a, it's like I said, it is not clap because the kingdom is here. It's not op- open your champagne bottle because the kingdom is here. The first statement when the kingdom of God is introduced to mankind itself should cause us to stop and think. The first statement is repent. Okay, repent. And this is speaking to a Jewish people who are waiting for the son of David to come and it should be rejoice for the kingdom of God is here. It is not, it's not speaking even to the Gentiles. It is speaking to the people who have been waiting for the reality. They know a Messiah will come, but their perspective is completely different about what happens when the Messiah comes. They are thinking a Messiah will come and deliver them and establish the kingdom of David. That's their perspective. So if their perspective was completely wrong, completely wrong, if their perspective was absolutely right with what God's word is saying, then the word would have been rejoiced for the kingdom of God is here. Son of David has come to deliver you from the Roman yoke and the kingdom of Israel will be established again and you shall be again the foremost of all nations. Okay, So you need to realize it was a shocker when the kingdom is actually introduced. It is not rejoice, it is repent. The first statement concerning the kingdom. That means there has to be a complete change of mind and a change of heart and a change of direction. The heart 
of course here i mean your emotions your desires and your will and a complete change of direction which will include separation from a certain set of people people meaning ideas representing that people and oh oh there is an including interesting text i just got i just keep it there to check the time one of the babies has been crying today because she said every day i have been praying so many times but jesus isn't coming it's one of our little ones in the church every day she cries jesus come lord parents have taught her but he's not coming oh i wish we had the heart of children right lord so it will demand direction change of direction will mean separating from a set of people the people are not what you think they are they represent ideas and thoughts so we are with them but we are not part of them we cannot physically separate that the bible talks about it we cannot physically actually fully separate but when there is always a separation between them is because people always represent ideas and thoughts so the first implication of the word repent even now when you hear the word repent you are hearing it with your ears and processing it with your mind first it's not heart it's mind always the mind is first okay so our perception like what ajay gets about repent will be completely different what from pastor vijay gets because of the nature of the minds it's a young child's mind and this is a pastor's mind okay so please remember it is always first it comes to the mind and the devil goes after the mind through this entirely created false world system if the world system was real and true it wouldn't change because whatever it is real it doesn't when god says i do not change because he is true okay the world is forever changing because it is not true it is false it is false okay so the devil goes after our mind by creating an entire world system which is a false system and he goes after our mind god also asks for a renewal of our mind through his word and his spirit we know that you know do not conform to the pattern of the world because you will be always confused because the world keeps on changing but let your mind be renewed and look pocket after pocket if you see the, your mind has a country you are taking over pocket after pocket of that country and establishing it in truth where it doesn't change anymore it knows this is truth and truth becomes a fortress and in that area of our life where truth has become fortress and that has become your life you will see you have peace you have peace because in that area righteousness has been established and you have you will see in lot of things you have no worry at all you don't worry about those things at all you don't worry about those things at all this when you look at certain areas of your life you will see you have absolute peace and joy about it it's reason its righteousness has been established in those areas and those areas have become unshakable so god will test you in those areas it's after many many tests it's that you realize okay i have been okay it's not that okay 
So remember, always remember, your mind is is the right now when you are sitting and hearing, listening. Your mind is the most important part, and that's what God wants. Okay, you can offer your body without your mind; it is pointless. Okay, He wants your mind, <coughs> and the devil goes after the mind through a false system he creates, and God goes after your mind through the word and through His Spirit. Okay. And we will see when we see in Genesis chapter 6, that is 10 generations after Adam, 10th generation. If you look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 and then 11 to 13, okay, Genesis 6, and the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then verses, earth was corrupt, okay, the earth was corrupt, the earth was filled with violence, <coughs> yeah. And God looked upon the earth and it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And the end of all flesh has come for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will. So you will see many terms, you know, corruption and violence and filled with everything. But if you go to verse 6, verse 5, if you go to verse 5, the first verse we looked, you know, where did it all start? It didn't become that in one day. It took ten generations, and any many of those generations lived for hundreds of years, okay? Okay? Yeah, six, five. How did it all begin? It begins, you see, when does this become? It's become when every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only... The devil went after his mind. This meant, okay? He went after mind. No, your ways become corrupt only when your mind becomes corrupt. Okay, the earth became full of violence because the minds of people were full of violence. Okay, so remember it is the mind. And by the time it came to the tenth generation, the earth was, all flesh was corrupt. And their actions were violent against what? Against God. See, each other they may not have felt it was violent. They might have justified their violence. All violence and all sin and all corruption is basically aimed towards God. None of them are maybe feeling it. Because I said it depends upon your perception. Depends upon your perception. When you are so far away, removed from God, everything becomes okay. Everything becomes okay. And so what happened is that in Genesis chapter 6, you will see the mind is gone. Once the mind is gone, the body follows the mind. The first thing that goes is the mind. Okay, first thing that goes is the mind. So therefore, when God introduces the kingdom, the first thing he wants is the mind. He says repent. And repentance is finally first begins in the mind. The prodigal son's change began in the mind when he came to himself. He sat in the pig pen, the side of the pig pen, and realized this is not a swimming pool, this is a pig pen. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he started thinking. Okay, he started thinking. That's where it begins. Repentance starts in your mind. Okay, and then you realize when you hear about the kingdom has an entire set of ideas. It's a lifelong process. You know, we keep on thinking and changing and aligning our, and the kingdom of God, the more you hear, your mind may be open to things which we did not even know. She did not even know. You know, it fills even vacuums. This is a vacuum. Never thought about this at all. And the kingdom of God introduces something. Okay. So, so when, please remember when one is born again, 
When you are born again, when God Jesus uses that term of being born again by the word, that is the water and the spirit, when you are born again, you actually enter into another reality. Okay? And we all came in the morning. Okay, we all came in the morning. We came because we know there is a place like this and we entered in through that door. We saw the door and we entered in through that door. Right? So Jesus uses those two terms. Unless you are born again, you cannot see or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is a reality. Though we may not see it with our physical... Listen to what Jesus told Pilate in John chapter 18 and verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. But his kingdom is not of this world. If his kingdom was of this world, it is very easy. Where is it? I will go. But his kingdom is not on this geographical map which we have. It's not here. Yet we are called to enter it. It's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. Every king has servants. One will win. But now my kingdom is not from here. One day it will happen, but now my kingdom is not from here. Okay, so God is asking us to enter into a kingdom and the kingdom is not of this world. So realistically, only those who have by faith entered into his kingdom can actually pray, thy kingdom come. Otherwise, they don't even know what they're talking about. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Because they have entered into that kingdom and they know one thing, his will is not done on this world. So they have entered into his kingdom, though they are in this world, and they are praying, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. And Revelation talks about a day when their prayers will be answered, when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of all. Lord Jesus Christ. So it is in this perspective you have to understand when we are born again. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. Okay? We live in this world. Okay? So why? Because our prayer shows it. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. So when we are actually from our heart, our spirit, we are praying, we are also making a confession. I am in this world, but I am not of this world. I am in this world, I am not. I am waiting for something. That Paul will say, our citizenship is of heaven from where our Lord and Savior. Like the little child, I am praying for Jesus to come. He is not coming. Okay, The child is a little perspective. Perspective. It's a baby's perspective. Okay, And give us this day our daily bread is basically saying, I am an alien in this world and I am trusting you for my daily provision. I'm trusting you for my daily provision. I am no, I am here on duty for the king. And I'm not concerned about my, like the soldiers in the entire Chinese Pakistan border. They're on duty. They're not worrying about their rations. The rations they know will be provided by those who send them there. They are there. Okay. And if you know at those very, 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 very high altitudes, their rations are airdropped. They are airdropped. In Siachen Glacier and all, it is airdropped. Once a month, twice a month, it is gone high, peak, this thing, it is airdropped. 
including if I am right there, gas stoves or kerosene, this thing, because water has to be heated to drink. Everything is airdropped. Okay? But this did not start with the uh, Indian army or any army. This started with God. The first airdropping of rations of Elijah. Okay? Okay? But give me, that's because, you know, he's on duty. Go to Kerith, turn eastwards and stay there until I tell you to move. Okay, you are on duty. You do not, though you are in Israel, you do not belong to Israel because Israel has gone over to Satan. You belong to me. So you belong to me. You represent the kingdom of God, though he doesn't understand it. You stay positioned over there. Your rations will come. It will be provided airdrop morning and evening. Okay, so we have to understand when we pray, we should be praying as kingdom people. As people. I trust you. Give me this day. I'm not worried. I'm talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about I, I I think about it and I say that all Christians can be caught in Matthew 6, 32, 33 and 34. All Christians. One, for, um, 45% live like Gentiles. What to eat, what to drink, what to That is for 32. Gentiles seek after this. All the things of the body. A few minuscule, maybe one percent lives seek the first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The other 55% or 54% will worry about tomorrow. That is 34. They never enjoy today of God's presence, his joy, his peace, because they're always, their thoughts are, they're ahead of God. Like they say, worry is the interest you pay for the money you did not borrow. Okay. So people live in 32, 33 or 34, one way or other Christians. You know? But the man of faith who is in the kingdom says, Lord, give me this day, day, this day, my day. I trust you. Absolutely trust you. Okay. And forgive my debts as I, why? Because people are not the enemy combatants. It's the devil is. Okay, you have to see it in kingdom perspective, the kingdom prayer. People are not my enemy combatant. They may come against me, but that's not my real enemy. My real enemy is up and not below. And if my eyes are below and see the enemy, I will lose that battle. So I need to keep my eyes very, very clear to fight that battle so that, Lord, I keep forgiving, so that I have clarity of vision. No? Like the, 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 the aircrafts, right? It has to be the pilot. The vision has to be very, 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 very clear. Very, very clear. You know, because you are not fighting flesh and blood. Okay? Lead me not into temptation. Lord, help me from, because my body is always susceptible to that. So, Lord, deliver me from that, because there is the evil one. There is the evil one. And I rely on you completely, because thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory. That little prayer which Jesus gave it is an absolutely kingdom prayer. And the depths of man's salvation is revealed in that prayer. Every day if we from our heart understand the significance of that prayer, we will grow in our salvation. And in this prayer we constantly go to Jesus. And if you go to Jesus truly, honestly, as Hebrews 7 and verse 25 says, he is able to save us to the most. He is able to save us. Therefore, he who is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him 
since he always lives to make inter save to the uttermost when here in here from all the influences of the world without the world the devil has he cannot influence us he's created an entire system to entice us that is the temptations deliver me from temptation lead me not into them temptation and the evil one okay and once we are saved or as we are being saved and continuously being saved what happens our mind functions like the mind of christ mind of christ and our will gets surrendered to the will of god and our emotions are directed towards god and our body is offered either to serve or if needed to suffer for christ to serve or suffer whichever way it is sometimes it comes together you no know, serve or suffer for christ and when we go to the end of it day by day by day by day first thessalonians 5:23 becomes a reality no becomes a reality what does it says it says we go to him and he comes to us now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely okay it's completely may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ this is a journey everybody is into okay so we need to understand the implications of the statement we make when we say thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth like i said in the kingdom the king's word is law so our minds need to be opened okay our minds need to be opened in uh, corinthians uh it says the god of this world yeah cool mera ready reckoner is here okay second corinthians 44 what has the god of this word done well done the god of the word and the god of this world okay this is what the god of this world has done this god of this age whose minds the god of this age has blinded no blinded he has blinded okay when scripture says minds have been blinded it's not talking about your eyes alone it's all your faculties to perceive truth has been blinded see batimas was blind but his hearing was really good and if you see in blind people hear very well you know if blind and ear is gone you will see that smell is very good smell is very good no our faculty because no even if your eyes are closed you don't hear anything you can smell no? smell and we'll just get up no something burning here no something burning over your taste okay your sense of touch perception what the devil has done is as he's created a system through which the entire sensory perception our minds have been blinded so we do not see the reality of god's kingdom even in spite let's say 116 days pandemic the minds are still blinded to the reality of god's kingdom is so close and nobody knows how close it is i mean what more can god do to open our eyes honestly think about it if the pandemic has opened our eyes has our prayer life changed has our word life changed because that's the two areas immediately there is an effect 
Because that is the two areas through which I pursue the kingdom in prayer and in word. The word shows me, as the Spirit of God through the word shows me the reality and the of the kingdom of God. And through prayer I connect it with the king. Absolutely changes. These two things changes, right? So that's what happened in the first judgment of Noah's time. That's what happened. The minds are so completely blinded. Everyone's mind was so blinded that Noah, who's called the preacher of righteousness, his words fell on deaf ears. And what he was building right before their eyes made no difference to them because the minds were blinded. It was not that there was in space in the ark. It was their minds were blinded to that reality. And the same thing happened in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah too. The minds were so blinded. So even when the angels blinded their eyes, they're still searching for the door. You know? That's how the mind can be blinded. It's so completely blinded that an act of judgment has come. Everyone, young and old, at Lord's door has been blinded. They're still searching for the door in their blindness, hoping to grab those two angels and have sex with them. And do you know when our, so what happens is when our minds get blinded, we reject the words we hear. And we reject even the spiritual evidence of the kingdom of God, which is the ark going up, up. You negate it. Negate it. That is why the first line of offense for the enemy and the first line of defense for us is the mind. Is the mind. The first line of defense is here. Is here. What you watch, what you hear. So we have this Two primary texts in the new covenant. You see, everything is progressive. God cannot reveal it to man what he does not understand. So we will wonder, why does we have to wait till Ephesians chapter 6 to understand about spiritual battle? Because that is the only time when one man understood what is happening. No? God is, we are all like God is like a father waiting for his children to grow up so that he can speak. But the problem is, as time as children grow up, they all going different ways. Nobody's interested in knowing what the father wants to say. Okay. So one man rises up, grows, and through him we have these two primary texts in the Bible. One is in Ephesians chapter six. We don't have to go there. And the second is in, of course, Second Corinthians chapter ten. We'll not go there either. These are the foremost chapters which tells you the war mankind is involved in and believers are, should be aware, okay? And the thing is, if you go to Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 5, because this is a spiritual battle, the battleground is defined. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Don't even try to do it in the human way. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And then in verse 5 it says, the first battleground, see, uh, what was the name? Galgam, no? Galgan, or whatever that place is where the Chinese, you know, Doklam, all these places. If the soldiers fail there, then the Chinese army gets inner and inner. What is their 
If an intruding force comes, the primary target is Delhi. Okay? Delhi. You don't see, you don't see soldiers, uh, all around Delhi. You see soldiers around the borders. But if the borders fail, no, then they start coming farther and farther. So you need to realize in your battleground, what is your first line of defense? Your first line of defense is your mind. If your mind goes, your heart goes. It's after your heart. But it's after your heart through your mind. Through your mind. So the battleground has to be known. There's a, there are two you see, you cannot get into spiritual battle and fight the enemy to set the captives free if you yourself are the casualty. Okay? So, you are fighting two battles. One, you are fighting every day a battle in your mind. And two, you are battling powers of darkness to set people who are captives. That's why Jesus says the blind cannot lead the blind. Cannot. No? You be, you should be able to see first. If I am not able to see, how, that's why you see almost most denominations in the world are shrinking except one denomination, which is the Pentecostals. Even in the Catholic Church, if there is growth and power, it is only because the Charismatics came in. Where the Holy Spirit has been just made into a doctrine and not really received as a person, as an experience, you lose the battle. Because both the word and the prayer has to be empowered by the spirit. You can hold for some time. After that you will see all of them are shrinking. They are shrinking. They do not have the capacity to fight this battle. And like I keep saying, and all the warnings in the Bible are connected with the Holy Spirit, keep him happy. Keep him happy. Okay? Keep him happy. Keep your father happy, you will get pocket money. Keep your mother happy, you will get food. Keep the Holy Spirit happy, you will win. Be at peace with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Constant, constant. So the devil is called the prince or the ruler, the spirit of air. It's use which we only understand now. When it was used then, they did not understand that every communication happens through the air. And he basically saying he controls communication. He who controls communication controls what you think. Control what you think. Let's, let's just sim- simply think about it. A few weeks back, the Chinese intruded into our territory, killed 20 of our soldiers in such a brutal way, breaking every convention of Geneva during peacetime. Do you see any reaction in the nation? No. You know why? Because the narrative has been completely controlled by the government who controls the media. They cost you how you want to give. The perception is given, we won. Did we win? No. Can you prove we won? No. Media blanket silence. Basically, like we say, what you don't know, don't hurt. Do you see how perception can be controlled through communication? Same thing is happening in US. How many people have died so far in all this lockdown from March onwards in US? One lakh thirty-eight thousand. 
How many people died of flu? They won't tell you. How many people died of drug overdose? They won't tell you. During the same period. How many people died of road accidents? They won't tell you. Because then perception will change. You mean you lock down an entire country and ruin the economy of the world when the casualty figure is actually only this much? They won't tell. Because then people will start saying, hey, hang on, it's okay. Let all who are vulnerable six stay at home. We are going to work. Perception. He who controls communication, controls. That is why for 2000 years, and especially during the Middle Ages and all, there was this constant attack within Christendom to see people did not have access to the Word of God. Because if they read, they will think for themselves. If they think for themselves, then oh boy, this is not what is true, what is being told is not true. Please understand, the devil controls our thinking. And he does it subtly over time. Okay, And what he does it is that, especially in the Christian, his entire aim is towards the Christian world, the battle. Because the non-Christian world is already in his grip, though they don't know it. So the attack is always focused on. So Europe, there is no more battle, but the battle is already lost. The final battle, the only battle left is U.S. The last Christian fort standing. If that falls, then you know, time up. Now you can take over everything. So you know there's a battle going on. Massive battle. What is the battle going on for? It's for the minds of people. And he does it very, very, very subtly. How does he do it? He turns God's moral and natural order upside down. What we do not know, there is the terms we use, uh, revolution, transformation, actually taking place in the minds of people. Or how we pursue truth. Over a period of time, you will see, evil is perceived as good. Something that was called sick is called now healthy. Lies are now truth. What was always in Christendom unnatural is natural. How did that happen? In the process, the whole world, by lust or fear or coercion, accepts the goal of Lucifer instead the goal of God. What is the goal of God? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. Please don't misunderstand this. God and Satan are not locked in any eternal war. No. That would imply equality. As soon as Satan sinned, he kicked him out of heaven. And he didn't use any angel to kick him out of heaven. He said, just go. The word was enough. And he fell to the second heaven. That is when the second heaven came into actually being and he took over that. Okay. There is no battle between God and Lucifer for supremacy or any of those things. Okay, don't ever think. He just like a fly for God. Not even a fly has even more power. Okay, he's a created being. He's just a created being. So, usko bhav mat dena. Okay. And that, that's what God actually says about Satan and all his 
demonic angels and demons and everything. And he looks at one of his little child and he says, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Shall trample upon them. And then he says, In a short while, the God of peace shall trample Satan under your feet. That's all he is. That's all he is. Don't ever compare him to God. <laughs> okay. The battle is actually between Satan and man. Only because God gave us the free will to choose. There's no battle between Satan and animals. There's no battle between Satan and fish or birds or plants. There's no battle there. No, no, because they were not given free will to choose. Satan doesn't fight those who don't have the free will to choose. Well, there's no fight. That's no part. That's why even when the demons were sent into the pigs, the pigs went and died. They died. He's not interested in pigs. He's not interested in pigs. Because they don't want to be stuck in pigs. Because they want to come out and possess the people again. Okay? So there's no battle of Satan with any other of creation. His battle with this man because God made man in his image and gave him the freedom to choose. So, God says, once you have entered into the kingdom, you won the first battle of perception. The world is not real. The kingdom is real. Now, you will have to battle every day of your life. In Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And if you look at his actual situation, it's an absolutely foolish statement. If you were to pursue with your earthly reality. A guy sitting in prison in chains, what do you mean you have fought the good fight? You are a loser. What's your reality? What's your reality? But he's talking which only those who are in the kingdom, and the kingdom is their reality. Not just in the kingdom, but kingdom is the reality, will understand he is a winner. Okay. The world is not a reality. You are in prison, a stinky dungeon somewhere in Rome, where Diotrephus had to search and search and search and search and before he could find where he was. Your, your churches have all abandoned you. Everybody has abandoned you, but you are a winner. Okay. I have fought the good fight. I have to finish the race. You and I have to live our life by faith till the end. Then we'll be declared a winner. It's not that we lost our salvation. It has to be declared a winner. Okay. So suddenly you realize faith is more than what the TV preachers told us. It is an entirely ordered pattern of thinking in the kingdom. That's how the kingdom functions. And your will and your emotions are therefore then subject to faith. And you become, then your body becomes a slave of righteousness. So faith is not something which by which you grab things out of like a rabbit out of the magician takes it out of the hat. No, faith is not that. Okay? So everything, okay? When the two blind men follow Jesus into that room, and it's just, David, son of, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. He says, do you believe that I can do that? They said, we do. He said, let it be according to your faith. What do you say? If your faith is real, if you really believe that I am the son of David, then I am the son of God, 
and the kingdom of God overrules everything. If you really believe it will happen to you. Let me see if you really believe this truth or not. What is your reality, your blindness of who I am? Let's see your reality. If you really believe that I am the son of David, everybody can call son of David, but that doesn't mean they really believe who the son of David is and what he is. If that's what you believe, you'll get it. Okay. So like we saw in Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, we will get confused if you don't see the first line of defense and the first line of attack is the mind. Casting down arguments. Okay, let's have it in. NIV gives it a little more subtle twist to it. A little more easier. No. 10.5 We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. Is this NIV? Okay. Modern and the other one will say imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let me use an illustration used by a unknown psychologist. If he was known, people wouldn't use it. Meaning every godly psychologist is not known. Every demonic psychologist is known. So let me use this illustration. If you want to learn about life, let's say Peter wants to learn about life. He's a young student, very interested in life. He would not go to a mental asylum to learn about life. Would he go to a mental asylum? I want to learn about life, so I'm going to Iragadda. The government mental asylum is in Hyderabad, is in Iragadda. I want to do a study on lives of people. You don't sit there and interview the inmates there and take notes. You don't read the books written by the inmates of an asylum. What about movies made by the inmates? And we do not realize, in God's eyes, the entire world is an insane asylum. And what we read, what we watch, what we sing are produced by the inmates. Because when do you, they declare you a looney tune? When your mind has gone. And the entire world, the mind has been blinded by the enemy. The world is full of looney tunes. They may write books. They read the news. They print newspapers. They tell us how to think. And you know what they are trying to make us? They are trying to make us looney tunes just like them. I'm giving you a new perspective of what the world is. The world is one big mental asylum. And the warden's name is Satan. Okay. Who are the ones who escaped the asylum? Are the ones who were born again. They came out. They came out. They came out. Because they came out, that does not mean they have become normal. Okay. They just became normal in one area. 
they were brought out. Now God says, I have to start working on your mind so that you can become normal. The normal is not the world. The normal is the kingdom of God. The normal is not what Satan says through a thousand different media. The normal is what God has spoken and he speaks through his word and through his spirit. That is the norm. And we are going to struggle and struggle and struggle unless we are ready for the battle. So, Ephesians 6, where we are told about the battle, Ephesians it's all about starts with God. And only two verses are talked, given about the warfare actual. Much of it is given in terms of armor. But when you look at the armor, Ajay, when you look at the armor and the military terms being used, don't get confused. There's nothing military about those armor used over there. Put on the full armor of God. It's a, it's a military term, right? Military style words are being used, but there is no military style equipment at all. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13 to 14. Okay? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Don't parts the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Right now we are in the evil day. Two days of evil. Third day God will come and perfect. So we are standing in the evil day. Every generation is standing in an evil day. And every generation is the evil generation. Right? People, Peter told them, come out of this evil corrupt generation. Perverse generation. Okay? Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. It's interesting. I mean, I mean, everybody uses illustration. Experts, good. Like the Roman soldiers, his entire armor is held together by the belt. So, you know, when he takes off his armor, he first takes off his belt and the whole thing comes off. Okay? So he is there, probably chained to a Roman soldier or standing sentry. So he uses, the Holy Spirit gives him that as an illustration. Okay? And he uses that. So the belt is on which everything else hangs on. So when you take the belt off, the, it's easy. For otherwise you will have to take everything piece by piece by piece. You know this thing. So when he takes the belt off, it is easier to take the rest of the things come off. Okay? So, what is interesting here is what? The first item that is mentioned is guard your waist with truth. But the Bible is using the term waist, but you don't put truth around your waist. You put it around in your mind. So Paul, Peter will use in another place, guard up the loins of your mind. Where do you guard? Truth. It's your mind. The first thing is that item to be worn is truth. It holds up everything else. Okay, now we have this huge hangama about truth. When the Bible talks about truth, the Bible means it is absolute. Why? The Bible puts God as truth. God is truth. Christ is truth. He says, I am the truth. So what does it mean? When God says, God is truth, and Christ says, I am truth, and the Spirit says, He's a Spirit of truth, and then God says, I am God and I do not change. It means when God says God is truth, there is a truth that is absolute. It never changes. It never changes. The problem is when truth is not absolute. 
how does truth doesn't when does truth not become absolute when you do not associate truth with god as a person truth as a person okay when you do not know god as a person actually you do not really know god as a person and associate truth with that god as a person it doesn't matter what religion you are caught in you are caught in truth which is relative Let's take about Hinduism. Our sages in the old days searched. Everybody, every man inbuilt that search after eternity, after truth. The Vedas were written because of the search of truth. And the oldest Veda kind of narrowed it down and brought it to one reality that God is only one. But they did, they did not know who is he. So when you do not know who God is, what happens? It cannot hold. It cannot hold. So what happened? It fell apart and you have polytheism. Every kind of God came. So it did not work whether Aristotle or Socrates and Plato were great philosophers. All these nations were full of gods. Because you could not narrow it down to, I am searching truth and this is the person who is truth. So if you look at Islam, Islam will tell you one thing, you cannot know Allah. cannot know Allah. If I cannot know Allah, then I cannot know God. If I cannot know God, then uh, what is truth? What do I surrender to? So, Muhammad is the final and the only prophet. So, if you speak anything against Muhammad, I will cut your head off. Why should my head be cut off? Because the truth cannot stand on its own. So, every voice that speaks contrary to Muhammad will take its head off. But truth can always stand on its own. It doesn't. I, God doesn't need me to defend him. It's my privilege and honor to speak about him. He doesn't need defense because that's the nature of truth. That's the nature of it will start on its own. Buddhism of course left you in a vacuum because Buddha wasn't sure about anything, so he preached a nice moral code and left it that he didn't want to talk about God or anything. Leaves you in a vacuum. You know? So this is this is the issue. Every Christian denomination, every Christian denomination, when it, because the, like we say, you know, there are five pillars of truth. First is God is truth. Second, Christ is truth. Third, Spirit is truth. Fourth, the Word is truth. And fifth, the Church has to become truth. The pillar of truth. Okay, these five things. Every Christian denomination. There's God is truth, spirit is truth, and uh, Christ is truth. And then he has given us his word is truth. Every denomination that moved away from the fourth one, the word is truth. God doesn't change, the word does not change. Also have moved away from the truth. Have moved away from the truth. See, all I have, you I have, is this. Have is. When we move away from that, then what happens? Our struggle, battle with truth is already lost. No? Then what happens? If truth is not absolute, because like I said, there are two worldviews, primarily two worldviews. Worldviews is through the lens through which you perceive your Reality. If truth is not absolute, then I have no absolute reality. 
Are you getting it? Meaning I have no objective reality. What I have is reality which is subjective. What I feel, what it is. So my reality can be manipulated through the one who controls communication. No. Please understand, that's what has happened to the church. Because God is not looking at the world, He's looking at the church. So when the Bible uses the word faith, it also means truth. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of God. And John 17, 17 says that same word of God is truth. Sanctify them by your word, and your word is truth. Can I have it? Because there are a lot of people around the world who doesn't know the scripture because you are so well versed. <laughs> okay? Just put it up so our brethren around the world and Jesus high priestly prayer. Yes. Still waiting. Sammy, you have lost your speed, Sammy. <laughs> Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, your word is truth. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. So, what happens if we put over there, sanctify them for your truth and your word is truth. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from truth. Okay. Instead of word, we put truth there. And the question to ask is that you heard this on the TV channel. Is it true? Does it agree with the word of God? Can it stand the whole counsel of God? So when Paul is saying, put on the belt of truth, okay, now, I put on my belt. The problem is, when you go back home and you change, you take your belt off. Until this belt wears off, the belt is the same. Not in the kingdom of God. One, you never take your belt off. Second, over time, the belt gets thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker because you are growing in truth. Your breastplate of righteousness gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. Your helmet is not the same thickness in which you put it on first. The gospel of peace of shoes is not the same shoe which you wore on first because everything is growing. Because when you are asked to put on truth, in the other same epistle he will say is put on Christ. The way you pursued Christ when you were born again is shouldn't be the way you pursue Christ when you are ending your life. It is not the same thickness. One, you never take it off because illustrations are good as long as you don't make it one-on-one with the physical material world. One, you never take it off. Second, this truth will never wear off. If it can wear off, then it is not true. Because God does not change. Second, you have to grow in truth. So what happens is this, you'll get thicker and thicker and thicker. Stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what should happen to your mind. The word of God is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. That's one of the reasons in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Judge not that you may not, you be not judged. Why does he say that? He says it's because of the way you pursue reality. 
says, you, you cannot make judgments. Because your judgments are always based on how you perceive your reality, how you see things. Okay, there are three things. Let me, okay, it's a little difficult, not so difficult also. Unless you, unless Ajay is of course wandering, he's a child, it's too difficult for him. There are three spirits everybody has to deal with. One is a human spirit. Inside us, there is a human spirit. The second is God's Holy Spirit. And the third is other evil spirits. There are these three spirits we have to deal with. The problem is, the human spirit is very, very limited because he's caught in the physical reality. And physical reality can be manipulated. Easily be manipulated. Because you don't know the truth. Okay? You are two simple examples I always use. It's real examples happen sometime back, but where, how, when, I do not know. But it's very tells you. Um, let us say a person from the West is traveling in a train in India, sees the beggars coming, and a lady comes in there with a little child, and you feel so compassionate, want to give a 50 rupee note. Oh, poor thing, look at the child, got sores all over, looks malnourished, and you're about to give, and the Indian accompanying saying, stop, don't do it. Why? Because that's not her child. There's a ring of beggars, they steal these babies, and morning the babies are outsourced to different women, and they go out, collect till the end of the day. Once you know it, you're Emotions have changed. Now instead of sympathy, you are angry. What your reality and truth changed your reality completely. Now this may not be true for every woman beggar who is with a child. So next time you see another one, and this is real. This is a mother who is starving. Husband has died. She has no home and she's got a baby. You look at her with the previous information. But this doesn't apply to her. Do you see why God says don't judge? Because he says, you will never know the truth. The only one who knows the truth is me. So don't judge. Don't jump into conclusions. Don't jump into conclusions. The other example was about the little children and the father traveling. The children are all over the train, jumping, restless. Passengers are all very upset. The father has no clue. He's staring out of the window. Then finally they get mad and tell, can't you control your children? What is this? And he realizes, he says, sorry, sorry, I apologize. The children are restless because, you know, their mother just died. And uh, they have never been without their mother. So I am sorry, I was lost. Suddenly the atmosphere changes. Everybody is sympathetic. Now everybody is trying to take care of the children. You see, what happens is a little bit of information. So you prejudged everything because you did not know the truth. Does that mean in the next train a set of children going with their father who is jumping up and down, every man's wife is dead? But it gives you an element of doubt before you judge. Next time, okay, maybe I shouldn't be so hasty in judging shouldn't be so hasty in judging. Okay? You need to realize this is what the devil does. That's why God says don't judge. Because the devil is a manipulator. He manipulates your reality. And ultimately what happens is you believe your physical reality and that becomes your truth. And you live in it. That's what it says in the book of Isaiah. Jesus will not judge by what he sees or what he hears. He will judge in righteousness. And what is righteous is only what God sees. God sees the whole picture. He knows it all. To make righteous judgment, we need the Holy Spirit. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 15. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Meaning what God has not revealed to us through the Holy Spirit, keep your mouth shut. I think so. It's not that I know. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit reveals everything to us. No, He doesn't. But what He has revealed, though it does not match our perceived reality, is true. Are you getting it? What I am seeing and what I am understanding is completely different to what the Holy Spirit is saying. But what the Holy Spirit is saying is true. That is not what is true. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from the from God. The spirit of the world deceives, manipulator. Everything. But the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's what we are doing. Okay? But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot perceive it, what the Spirit of God says. He has no access to it. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So God says the first thing is get born again by the Spirit to enter and then discernment begins. For he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. They cannot rightly judge him because they don't realize he is making his judgments because he hears from the Spirit and that is his reality and that reality is true. While those who are living in the physical reality outside of the Holy Spirit is able not is not able to understand why does he think this way? Why does he speak this way? Why does this he act this way? Let's look at a real good example. Mark chapter 2, remember the paralytic whose four friends had to bring him over there? Remember? In chapter 2 verses 5 to 8. Okay? Jesus is in that house. Everything is blocked because of the crowds. And he saw their faith. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now look at it. He saw their faith. He saw faith and he was impressed by their faith. But he's speaking to that man, not to him, not to them. If he's speaking to them, he says, I see your faith. Let your arms be strengthened to carry many men like this. He didn't say anything to them. He saw their faith. That they had faith that Jesus could heal them. And this man also had faith to allow him to be carried and the roof broken. Okay, he saw their faith. He saw their faith. But he's speaking to the man. When he looks at the man, there are different ways Jesus healed. But when he looks in the man, the Holy Spirit is saying, his sickness is because of sin. And he's repentant about it. Sorry about it. So, he says, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within them. Where did he perceive? The Holy Spirit told to his spirit, this is what they are thinking about you. He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? How did he have the courage to speak it out because he knows it is true? I know what you are thinking. We would never say. 
I know what you're thinking. Okay. Now, they haven't spoken a word, but every word he speaks is true about them. Okay? Now, that's why he says, my judgments are right. Remember he says, you know what? Because he says, I never speak anything about my um, by myself. When I make a judgment, it's right. He says, why? Because I heard the Spirit say, and the Spirit sees your heart, everything he sees. So everything I say is right, because I don't say anything of myself. Perception. Please understand that. Because we are living in a false reality created by the devil. And that becomes our reality and God says it is not real. That's why the Bible says in 1 John that the world and its desires are passing away. And the man who does the will of God lives for. But the man who looks, lives, the will of God looks like a fool lying in chains in a Roman dungeon. But he will live forever. And the Roman Empire looks like eternal. You look at the Roman Empire, the power of Caesar, the armies of Caesar marching. You look, this is forever and ever and ever. And this man looks like a fool. God says, no, that man is real. This is a fool. Roman Empire is gone. Nobody even remembers Roman Empire. It's gone. For 500 years, they shook the earth. That was the perceived reality. What is your reality is what God is talking about. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 4, 4, 4. 2 Timothy 4. Sami are getting out of test Sami. You are so much behind the camera, you have forgotten the laptop. <laughs> Look at verse 8. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Are you kidding me? You crown? See the century and the centurion has more hope of receiving a crown, a position, an exaltation from Caesar. But the man in chains is the one who is absolutely sure about his crown. Which is your reality? What is true here? Imagine he's speaking it out. I'm going to. The centurion says, do you know you're going to get executed soon? Yeah, I'm going to get my crown. What's wrong here? God is asking the same question. Which reality do you live in? Which reality do we live in? No. They would have heard his words. They would have said, nonsense. What is the Pagala cavalry? What is man saying? Is he out of his mind? Paul says, no, you are out of your mind. Because you do not know the end of Rome is coming. The end of everything is coming. You are out of your mind. That's what the devil does. He subverts truth and creates a false reality. And God says, how do you look at life? When you do not Believe in absolute truth, that is God, and what he has spoken, never changes. The problem is, then you do not have objective reality. What you have is subjective reality. 
If it was subject to reality, verse 7 and 8 will be that, poor me. I fought these fights for so long. It's not I have finished the race. I am finished. What was the point of following Christ? Finally, there is late for me the sword. My head will roll off. Maybe I should change my mind and appeal to Caesar for mercy. These are the words of a winner. But if you see with your physical eyes, that is not what his situation is. He's, for the ones who are seeing him, the perceived reality is this is a loser. But his reality is, I am a winner. You are the loser. God says, but you see, you see how the devil manipulates everything. That's why God tells us to detach from the world and be sanctified by the word and then go into the world. Then you can preach with conviction. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. When you do not have that, you haven't detached from the world. You have, your kingdom is not reality and you still go out to preach. You will preach the kingdom of God is the world. God loves you. He wants to prosper you. Just name it, brother. Claim it, brother. This is the will of God. You have powered at everything because you have no objective reality. Your reality has become subjective. The world has become your reality. This is what is very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Your reality is whatever you think. And if you can, somebody can control your thinking, you can create their reality. Somebody can control your thinking, you can create their reality. That is what Second Corinthians 10 5 is talking about. Your imagination, your pretension. It's a pretension. You know what it is to pretend? Hmm? Pretend, no? Once the fox was being chased by the dogs, he came to the city. He reached the Dobie's house, the washerman's house, where he used to wash these white clothes and he had this tub full of indigo, no, to soak the white clothes. The fox jumped into the tub of indigo and lay there until the dogs could not get his scent and went away. When he came out, he was blue. It's a story. I cannot, okay. So he went to the forest, called all the animals and said, I am the new king of the forest because I am blue. He On the way he found a shoe, so he hung a shoe on his ear also. So there is this little fox and everybody looks at, they have never seen a blue creature with a shoe hanging. They all bow down and said, you are king. Until after a few weeks, the blue started going. And then they realized, this fellow is a fox and he was one among us. One day, all the losers who think they are winners will realize this devil is also a loser and he was one among us. And this fellow fooled us and taking us all down to where he is going. Pretension of minds. That's how the devil, every, everything, arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That knowledge of God is, what is it? Truth. Knowledge of God is truth. That is. See, that's why you cannot separate God and truth. God is truth. Truth is not God because truth can be manipulated. God is truth. So I have to know God. I have to look at, I want to know the person of God. All our sages searched for truth and not God. So truth could be manipulated. 
So when Christ comes and he says, I am the truth, you want to know God? This is exactly how God is like. If God was to be a man, where to live and talk and walk and do, this is how it would be. So this is how truth functions. This is the reality, the kingdom of God. Then imagination takes over the knowledge of God. Your imagination becomes your truth. Once your imagination becomes your truth and you become a very imaginative person, it's very difficult to deal with you. Like George Floyd died. The last words were, I cannot breathe. And set off emotion and everybody got emotional. That's what happens in democracy. Democracy is usually run by the majority mob, whichever mob is. If the majority is peace-loving, they run it. If the majority is a mob, they run it. That's a problem of democracy. The mobs were out. Everybody is moved by fear. Now new evidence is coming. But they cannot produce into court because they have to appease the mob. But what happened? We do not know how the jury also may be prejudiced by emotions. The judge also may go by it. But the new evidence is when he said, I cannot breathe, he was maybe not actually talking about the knee on his throat. They found from the autopsy that his body was full of drugs, including fentanyl. And all that, fentanyl and other drugs. And when he's saying he cannot breathe, he's actually reacting to the drugs. And the officer is actually shouting, stop talking, stop talking. You don't you know for talking you need a lot of oxygen. Because if you're out of breath, you cannot talk. Yes, a chokehold was there. But chokeholds were very common in America and so many officers do it and everybody did not die. So did he die of a chokehold or did he die of a drug overdose? But a perception has been created. Now can you back off of it? No. Why people will not receive the truth? Because the movement has been hijacked for another cause. This is what happens. So who knows why he died? Only God. We are not justifying anything that happened over there. What I am talking about is that we are flooded daily. News, media, movies. There is hardly anything in man's consciousness which is not touched from outside. His imagination is touched. And he doesn't even know what is truth. When you are, when imagination takes over truth, you are a subject of Satan. That is what is called mind control. He controls your thinking. The ruler of this world has blinded the minds. When he blinds your mind, what happens? Come here, Abhinash. Or Ajay, let me wake him up. Ajay, come here. Let everybody has heard Ajay, Ajay, Ajay. They want to see who Ajay is. Come Ajay. The whole world Ajay is going to see you. Okay, he's a little Ajay. Okay, he's a little Ajay. Now close your eyes. Don't open at all, okay? Don't go. Ah, don't open. Now go to Dr. Richard. You know why he's struggling? See, when your imagination has been blinded, anybody can lead you. You are entirely dependent upon the person who is leading you. And he can lead you to Dr. Richard or Dr. Riri to Avinash and say, this is Dr. Richard. Your mind is blinded. Somebody else controls your actions. 
You think you are free. You are not free. You are a slave. That's what the Bible says. All are slaves. Either slaves of sin or slaves of righteousness. Either led by God or led by the devil. If you are led by the devil, you are a slave of sin. If you are led by God, you are a slave of righteousness. But those who are led by Satan also think what they are led by is truth. Only thing, the lie has been perverted to make it look like truth. And it is not the truth. It's an imagination. And you have invested your feelings, your energy, your resources into it without realizing the end of it is death, eternity, separation from God. You are a subject of Satan, mind control. This is what is happening around the world. The whole world is controlled by different forces, working towards the same objective for the coming of the Antichrist. Coming of the Antichrist. Everybody to that. And then those who are kingdom people are also working towards one objective, the coming of Christ. So when they pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. They are talking about Christ reigning in me and then Christ will come and reign in my world. Only two realities, one of Satan, one of Christ. One is a lie, the other is truth. That's why God calls him the father of lies. Father of lies. Let's look at an example. Okay, Examples are good. 1 John 4.16 And we have known and believed the love God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love, abides in God and God in him. God is? God is love. What is Satan's counterfeit to this? Because it's the most powerful thing in the human experience. God is love. Meaning love is the most powerful thing in human experience. Not for animals. Animals, it's hunger, desire. It's not love. A lion, if he's hungry, may eat his children. Love is not the most powerful emotion. They don't even understand what love is. They don't understand that. They have feelings, very animalish feelings, but they don't understand love because they were not made in the image of God. So here, Scripture says, God is love. Satan knows it. So what does Satan use? He counterfeits it. Satan's counterfeit is called romantic love. In romantic love, primarily because the woman is the subject of love in all poetry, movies, everything, man is also, but you don't put it, you don't talk about a woman chasing a man. You see always a man chasing a woman. So it is the other way around, you know, always in movies, all the, you know, Juliet, you know, Romeo and Juliet, he runs, every culture has their own stories and movies and songs. Almost 99% of the songs of love are about romantic love without even understanding God is love. Okay? 
And therefore what happens in the romantic love, what happens it also in the, in this perception, early perception of body, it goes to the uh, sexual deification of the woman. The object of your love. It's not God. It's woman. That's why God says the first and the most important commandment is this. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Otherwise, you do not know what love is. That most important emotion I have given you will be manipulated, it will be warped. You will never know what it is true. The only way you can experience love as true or true love when you love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. That is the truth about love. And any man or woman or child who does not love God with all his heart, meaning put God first in his love, will never experience what is called true love. So his love is a fake. Has been substituted by the love of the enemy. Counterfeit. Nakli note mil gaya. Looks like origin. Absolutely original. Almost, some of the loves are almost looks like the original, but one security mark is missing. All music is usually devoted to extolling the other. The other is not God, by the way. Okay. Extolling his or her Imaginary qualities. Some of the things we sing about women and men, they may not even have those qualities, but love has blinded your eyes. When we say he is the fairest of 10,000, it is true. It's talking about his character. When we sing about some girl, oh, she is the fairest of 10,000, it's not true. But that has become your objective reality. You know why? Because you have taken a substitute from the real one. Once a person, male or female or transgender or whatever, <laughs> whatever gender you all identify with, God identifies too. Okay. Once a person has, in English we use that term, fallen in love. You will see it is almost impossible to speak the truth to them. Because now it is feelings over substance. They create their own reality. Child, don't, don't, don't. Okay, I'm telling you, I checked him out, he's not a good guy. No, he will change. It runs in the family. His grandfather was alcoholic. His father is alcoholic. His faith is pretense. He also drinks secretly. No, I can stop him. He's a loser. Can't you see? He doesn't like working. He doesn't like working. He will live off you, make you slog like a dog. No. I don't mind. Always will see that. That's why the Bible says God is love. The Bible never says love is God. The entire world has been taken captive. Once you have fallen in the first error, and from that you can add any number of errors. 
A lot of people it is that. No, God is love, by which they mean love is God. No, God will not send everybody to hell. He will not. Ultimately, he will save the whole world. You know, for them, God is not love. Love is God. You ask any number of Western people over there who claim to be Christians, they all think God will take everybody to heaven. He will not. A God of love, my God, my Jesus, will not do anything like that. They don't even realize the entire statement is a lie because it negates his sacrifice on the cross. If God will take everyone to heaven, then why did Jesus have to die? No perception, reality, you know, how far we go away from truth. This is how the devil manipulates. Because of our feelings. You have received a lie, now you have invested your emotions, your desires and your will into it. You should have received the truth and invested your emotions, your desires and will into it. Instead you received a lie, it is all received perception. There's an old proverb, okay? The proverb goes like this. Age and treachery, listen carefully, okay? Age and treachery will always defeat youth and zeal. Age and treachery will always defeat youth and zeal. Please remember, the devil is an old, old treacherous adversary. He's got 6,000 years of experience dealing with man of every kind, every culture, every nation, every religion. Our problem is we think about Satan sometimes the way we think about God. We put Satan in a doctrinal box. Satan is not bound by any Geneva Convention. He does not operate by any rule book. Because he is the father of lies, he will use any lie and bring it to you as truth. He has no guilty conscience at all. God, on the other hand, is always true and all his ways are just. Devil has no... Problem is people think about the devil like they think about God. Oh no. Devil. That's what scripture says. The devil will come even as an angel of light. God will never come as an evil angel. He's not even tempted by evil. The devil will use Anything and everything if he can deceive you. And God will never deceive you. So age and treachery will always defeat youth and zeal. What do you all have? See, when I was talking about love, even Ajay woke up. (laughs) Age and treachery will even. God is truth. Like God is love. He is absolute. He never changes. Not Satan. He is forever changing. He will be what you want to be. Him to be. He is the father of fake news. That's what he is. That's what, you know, if you look at news media, if you look at news media around the world, if you look at news media, the nations that matter around the world, the entire news media is controlled by a few billionaires. 
the entire news media. It's in the hands of 10 or 12 people. And they control how you think. The devil doesn't need everybody. The devil needs only the honors. The honors will tell the employees, this is the way you think. Otherwise, you don't have a job. You can write as many books as you want, but you need a publisher. And the publisher will tell you what kind of books I will sell. I will print and I will sell. I was an editor, independent editor with a fiction series many years ago before I came into ministry. You know what happens? Peter is a very nice fiction writer. Very nice. Righteous man. Good man. Right. And he writes an excellent, like an Alistair MacLean kind of a clean novel. He sends the transcripts to me. And I look at it and say, the story is good. I'll tell you. You know what? This is good, but it won't sell. If I have to sell, I have to add sex. He says, I can't do that. He says, no problem. I'll get another fellow to write it and add it to it. Is it okay with you? Okay. I want the money. So I get another third-rate writer who only writes sex and says, this is the storyline. Add these pages. And suddenly you will have a novel with every masala in it. The problem is 99 of the people who read, they read it for the masala. The entire righteousness in that story is gone. That's what they do. That's how movies are made. That's how music is made. That's everything is made. And little by little by little in our mind, we are slowly getting desensitized to the truth. The holiness of God. The righteousness of God. The actual what true love is. We are getting desensitized and it is being replaced by a false picture of what truth is. False picture of what holiness is. False picture of what righteousness is. And false picture of what love is. And then we believe, I believe in Jesus. What is the Jesus you believe in? It's figment of your imagination. It's got nothing to do with the word of God. It's a lie. That's what the question, no? How do you hold the truth in unrighteousness? It's your created truth. So God is love. Devil took over and just changed a little over here. <coughs> Objectification. Primarily. <coughs> so love has been, has to be objectified. So she's tall, fair and good looking. Her nose, her eyes, her ears. And he's tall, dark and handsome. What has God love to do with this? Think for a minute. What has God love to do with it? You think God is tall, dark and handsome? Because God is love. God is love. And this is, oh, I, have, I love him so much. Look at him. He's tall, dark and handsome. You think God looks like that? Where did you get these pictures from? You see, first they changed, put a lie over there of what love is, made it into a romantic love. Then they objectified the female body or the male body. Objectified it. Okay. Now the loved one has replaced God as the object of our love. So all the songs are about the loved one, not of God. Who told you? Who told you? 
I cannot live without you. If that was true, every man and woman when they got married, they loved each other. When one spouse died, the other one should have immediately had a heart attack and died. If that statement was true. But everybody is surviving very well. <laughs> and they marry again. Look at all the songs. We, I don't know. I don't know English songs because I didn't grow up so much in it. But Hindi songs, we all knew, no? Dil ko tukde tukde kar kar. Kya baat hai, no? No, one English song I can remember from my memory. What is, last Christmas I gave you my heart, the very next day you gave it away. This is the truth of romantic love. Because you objectified a person. And that person became the object of our love and God. God says, you give me your heart. I will never give it away. Never give it away. It's forever secure for eternity. Because I am true. When I say I love you, I mean it. I mean it. Is there something called romantic love? Yes. There is. But it is not fast. God is first. God is first. When does it become a lie? It becomes when the loved one is replaced by God and his truth. Is parental love true? Yes. When does it become a lie? Parental love, the love a child, let us say, of for his parents. Is it true? Of course it is true. When does that truth become a lie? When obedience to the parents becomes our objective over God. Then what has happened? Your father or your mother has become the object of your love and not God. Now it is a lie. That's how the devil does. The devil, the devil cannot create a lie which will stand on it. So he always has to mix some truth into it. Love your father. Yes. That's our entire Hindu Purana. Your father and your mother are deities. That is why till today in every movie, everything you will see them touching their feet and doing and going. What's it? God. And parents expect that kind of. I expect you. It's love of our children. Our love for our children. Is it true? It is true. When does it become a lie? When the child becomes the object of our love and replaces God. What happens? We are no longer able to perceive truth. When the woman replaces or the man replaces God, then truth is gone. We have created our own reality and then we are bakra over there. Devil can play like ping pong with us. Or the child becomes the object of our life. Or the father becomes the object. You're gone. you created your reality. But you had to use some truth to create your reality. You cannot create a reality out of no movies, 100% lies. Nobody will watch it. No. They have to bring a lot of reality in it and mix lies with it. And make it very interesting. 
Let's look at a couple of examples as we close. Genesis 29, verse 18 and 20. Jacob loved Rachel. What does he know about her? Nothing. She's good looking. I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Opened his mouth and said, seven years, tera bakra ho jayega. Lavan is a type of Satan. Okay, verse 20 says, okay. Verse 20 says, So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Kya baat hai? We know what happened. Verse 30. Fooled him on the first night. Seven years. He worked like a slave for seven years. Big marriage day. Everything got him drunk and sent Leah. Woke up, married Rachel, got Leah. Because Laban is a type like that. He substitutes truth, true love with counterfeit. He has no problem with deceiving. So he said, I will serve, I want Rachel. So he has this truth. In our culture, we don't give the younger one first. Standing on his truth. So you can have the younger one also. Work another seven years. First, live with Rachel for one week. And after that, I'll give you Rachel. Sorry, Leah was one week. After that, I'll give you Rachel. So poor fellow ended up working 14 years for two girls. You could have got free. Because he's next of kin. Anyway. You know why he's 14 years a slave? Because God is no longer love. Love is God. Love is God. As soon as love becomes God, you can be manipulated. Devil will manipulate. And if you're a little older in the Lord, God will allow you to be manipulated too. That's why God says if you come with an idol in your heart. There should be no idols. If there's anything, it's Christ alone. If you come with anything before me, I'll answer according to your idols. Because that is your, your reality. Are you getting the picture? We know very well the example of Abraham. When he was in the hour of the Chaldeans, God came and told him, leave your father, your father's household, your country, go to the land I'm going. He took his father. took his father. The problem is with we take a father is he took his father because father was his object of his love and respect and honor and everything and he got stuck in Haran. The problem is after some time we will think Haran is good. Haran is good. This is my reality after some time. You have all, the voice that spoke to you in Ur has become a distant memory now. You have created a new reality. I obeyed. I left. I took my father. And I'm living in Haran. And Haran has become your promised land. And you don't even realize you have not even entered the promised land. You have not done the will of God. While you believe you have done the will of God. Because you moved a few steps. A lot of people get stuck like that. 
It's a false reality created by enemy. And God cannot speak to him. God knows. There's no point speaking to Abraham. I can't speak to him as long as his father is alive. I can't speak to him. Let's see his heart. No, so he waits till father dies. When her father died, he spoke. But in all this, what is brought over there? Love is brought there. I love Rachel. I can work 14 years for her slave. Manipulate. I love my father. Have you fulfilled your destiny? No. Do you know what your destiny is? No. Are you in the promised land? Well, Haran looks like it. What about father's love for the son or child? Genesis 37, 33 to 35. He recognizes this Joseph's brother's bringing his coat with blood on it. It's my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured. Oh, imagination is running wild, okay? No questions asked. Looks at the robe. That's my son's robe. There is blood on it. Immediately, my son is dead. No doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, mourned for his son many days. All his sons and his daughters arose to comfort him. He refused to be comforted and said, For I shall go down to the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. In all these cases we looked, whether it is Jacob's love for Rachel, or Abraham's love for his father, or Jacob's love for Joseph. Your love or your affections can be manipulated only when the other person, the object of your love, becomes bigger than God. What actually stopped in their life? Abraham has forgotten the voice that spoke to him in the Ur of the Chaldeans. Jacob has forgotten the voice he heard and he saw the angels ascending and descending down the ladder. He's forgotten it all. Because of Rachel. He's willing to be a slave and forget and give up his destiny. It is revealed to him because he thinks this is real. This is your reality now. And Jacob now has forgotten the God who met him at Peniel. And changed his life. Changed his destiny. Jacob has become Israel. But now he looks at this because he loved his son so much and the son is dead. He's forgotten everything. Now when he gets up from his bed and moves, the limb still hurts, but it doesn't bring any connection to God anymore. The pain is only adding to the pain in his heart. My son is dead. You know how the enemy manipulates? And in every one of these cases, Abraham for his father, Jacob for Rachel, or Jacob for Joseph, it is all love. But it's not true. It is true. But it's not absolutely true. And what did they lose? They lost years and years of their life. I'm just giving you one example how the enemy manipulates. And the media manipulates. The media glorifies all. 24-7 media glorifies this love. Media does not speak about man's love for God. If a man says, you should be talking about God. Which is true. And when we sing those songs about God on a Sunday, it is not real. Because if it was real, we would sing it all the time. 
right? We'll sing it all the time. Because the songs, even if we don't sing it, those songs, those thoughts, those feelings should be in our mind all the time, right? Because whatever you are thinking is your reality. And the thing is that, is God our reality? And God was Jesus' reality, the kingdom of God. I will not speak anything that I have not heard. I will not do anything that I have not seen. And whatever he has heard and whatever he has seen has got nothing to do with this world. That was his reality. And God says, change your thinking, meditate upon my word day and night so that your reality will change. The kingdom will become real for you. The king becomes real for you. Otherwise, what is happening for 6,000 years is manipulation. And 20th century, end of the age, is the maximum manipulation because all information is controlled by the system. Controlled by the system. They will even tell you whether you can go to church or not. They will also tell you whether you can sing or not sing in church now because of the pandemic. They have controlled now. Not only your movements, your speech also. Cancel culture. You see that. Everything. They are controlling your speech. First they will tell you what you can say. Once they have achieved step one, they will, second they will tell you what you can think. And third thing, they will tell you how to think. Telling you the truth. You go to China, you check the libraries. You will not find a single book that is against a regime. First they taught you what to say. Then they taught you what you can think. And third, they will teach you how to think. That's why we have a entire syllabus revamp going on all over India, CBSC, state boards, everything, because they are changing history. That's what happening in America, changing history, the pulling down of statues, the pulling down is changed. We will change it, we will erase it, and we will rewrite it. A generation will arise who will not know their history. That your forefathers had a culture which was Judeo-Christian. And a God who was absolute and his values were absolute. We will teach you how to think. You don't realize what's happening. Because this is where he goes. He goes. They infiltrated the churches with false pastors and apostles and prophets and all. And they taught you to think this is who God is. and This is what the kingdom is about. Oh, this is what God wants you on earth. There is no suffering at all. No suffering at all. Cross is not mentioned. Blood is not mentioned. Suffering is not mentioned. Everything is taken away. They revamped Christianity and made about it about you. Humanism is sold through the pulpits as Christianity now. Objectified. What? You are the new one. And it's all put across by saying God loves you. God loves you. It's not like love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. No. God loves you. You are the new God. Even God is subservient to you. You are the new God. People do not realize what's coming. That's exactly what happened in the days of Noah. God was taken. And what happened in the book of Judges? Generation, no, rose. 
who did not know their God. And every man did what he thought was right in his own sight. He is the arbiter and the decider of his reality and his truth. And each one comes with the truth and there is a set of people ready to fight with him for that truth. The world is moving according to plan of the Satan. One by one by one by one he has taken it away. Then he steps into phase two. Genesis 128, 218 and 24. Genesis 1.28, if you look, go according to chronological order, according to the book of Genesis, the first pronouncement of God over man is this. God said to them, be, be fruitful. And the first words, according to chronological order, God speaks to mankind is, be fruitful and multiply. And 2.18 he says, it is not good for man to be alone. He talks about companionship. And third, in verse 24, he says, the father, he shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. What is that? Companionship, love, marriage, sex, procreation. Fruitful and multiply. Purpose is defined. You know what the devil does? After he has warped love out, he separates sex from love and marriage and procreation. Yet what is the first thing God said? Be? You cannot be fruitful without having sex. So the primary purpose of sex was to be fruitful. They took it out. Removed sex from fellowship. Remote sex from marriage, remote sex from procreation, and kept it outside and defied it and made it an objective. Sex is a detachment. So the new God is, sex is God. If sex is detached from all of this, especially the first thing, be fruitful and multiply, is taken out of, then homosexual sex and bisexual sex are all okay. They're all okay. Because it's not attached to that. You know, first you have to manipulate love. Until you have manipulated love, you cannot manipulate sex. Okay. So he has manipulated love, he has manipulated sex, he will manipulate next gender. Male and female he created, he will manipulate gender. You see, he took love out, or truth out of love, he took truth out of sex, he took truth out of gender. And what do you have? Confusion. The problem is, when the majority of people believe that is the truth, then it is time for him to come. The minority becomes the one who believes in the truth, and they have to stand alone. And if God does not rescue them like he did Noah, or pull them out like he did with Lot, they will be destroyed with them. They will have to bend. They will have to take a knee. So one by one by one, Satan, who is the Lord of the air, he controls our thinking and our perception. Because this is no longer the absolute. Otherwise, how can churches ordain gay bishops and priests 
allow same-sex marriages. And we need to understand this fact. For most people who call themselves Christ, Christians, Christ is no longer their reality. Truth is very subjective. Their truth is connected with feelings. They go to church, the feelings are risen up, they feel good and they go back home and they think they have worshipped God. Truth is not included in worship when God says a set of people will arise who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Meaning the Holy Spirit is the arbiter of their reality. Jesus knew in his spirit what the truth was. The Holy Spirit is no longer the arbiter of truth. The word of God is no longer the arbiter of truth. Your word is truth. What is my truth? What I feel. And what I have been pumped into my mind. We no longer believe in an absolute God. We don't realize it, though people all go to church. And that was what the devil was trying to play with Jesus as I close. Jesus knows who he is. Though he has come in the flesh, he knows who he is. That is his reality. Who am I? Son of God. That's his reality. But he has come in the flesh. So there is a confusion between two realities of who he is and where he is. If you are the son of God, yes, what is your perceived reality? You are hungry. What you have is stones. Okay, You can use this reality and take this reality and make it one. Why don't you just manipulate it? Okay. So he asks, he, he says, wait a second, what is it written? What is written? It is written. It is written. There's a reality beyond my subjective reality. I have a subjective, I'm really hungry, I haven't eaten for 40 days. I'm hungry, that's a subjective reality. But what is written? The law. But every word that proceeds from the, what is, what is, what is written? That's reality, that's absolute. Took him to the top of the temple and said, come on, jump. It's written. Angels, he says, wait a second. What is it written? What is it written? You have a subjective reality and you have an absolute reality. You're being manipulated on your feelings. Yes, you are the son of God. If you jump, you will not be allowed to die. Your father will not allow it. Angels will come. But when I'm doing it, am I testing my God? Am I testing my God? Takes him and shows him the nations and the glory and says, come just bow down, I will just give it to you. I'll feed it into your reality. This will become your reality. You will be the king of the world and I will just be above you. That's all. Nobody above you except me. The world is mine. I can give it to you. You know the play on realities, the subjective and the absolute objective reality. Relative truth. Yes, if Jesus had bowed down, he would have been the ruler of the world. For how long? 60 years, 70 years. And then, Father would have to judge him. But because he did not bow down and bow down to the objective reality which is God, God is the only one who is worthy of worship. 
That is his reality. Who is he? Ruler of this world forever and ever. And that's what the devil tries to do. Uses our subjective feelings and creates his hangama called this world and all that and says, bow down to it. I will give it to you. God says, don't bow down to it. Real to the absolute. I will give it to you. The meek shall inherit thee. For how many days? Forever and ever. Not for one day, two days. See, both are truths. What is the lie in it? The lie in it is, at to this there is an end and then there is destruction. So this is subjective. This is fleeting. It will pass away. But the other one is eternal. Other one is eternal. That's what God is calling us. So when we pray that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are joining a battle. When we are joining a battle, the first piece of armor, you don't go to battle without armor. First piece of armor you are asked to put on is the belt of truth. And as the progress in the kingdom of God, the armor has to get thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. The body armor the soldiers wear is not so thick. As the body armor, the APCs are. That's the armored personal carriers. That armor is different. This will withstand a bullet. That will withstand a tank's shot. That armor, this armor won't survive there. People, people put on their belt when they got saved in 1921 or 90, still wearing the same armor and thinking they will survive. God says, that was for the first bullet I protected you. If the man is discovering bunker busting bombs and everything that can be blown out, what do you think the devil is going to come after you with simple little arrows of the beginning? No. He knew Jesus. He looked at his armor. He looked at his armor. He looked at his armor and said, you can't tempt him with, tempt him with Bethlehem. You can't tempt him with Jerusalem. You can tempt him even with Israel. You can't even tempt him with Rome. You have to tempt him if he were to buckle with the whole world. All the nations of the world. They didn't even bat an idlet. Even that is irrelevant. That is all the devil had. The father has promised him the universe. This fellow is promising him the world. Please need to realize, as you go up, up and more up, meaning in the sense, more in the Lord, your armor has to thicken. Your truth, what you put on the truth is not the same truth. Otherwise your truth will get manipulated. The devil never sells a lie as a lie. He sells the lie as truth. Truth. And he creates a perception. And he wins creating a perception. Like today, one Paul will come. Oh, Biden is leading Trump by 15 points. How many people did he interview? Uh, 1,200 people. How many people are there in America who can vote around 150, 200 million are there? How many did you? Sample, thousand people. How many are Republicans? We won't tell you. How many are Democrats? We won't tell you. How many are registered voters? We won't tell you. But they create this perception, 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 perception. Trump is losing, Trump is losing, Trump is losing, Trump is losing. So that what happened? Finally, people will start thinking he's losing. When election day comes, his people will think, what is a good point in going and vote? Because he's losing anyway. 
How many people do you need to stay at home for him to lose? Around 200, 300 person in a few five states stay home, he will lose. That's all you need to create a perception. Is what you say true? No. How do you know if you're true? When the election, if you, everybody who's eligible to come and vote comes and vote and you tally the result, then you will know what is the truth is. And no leader in any democratic country has ever been elected by truth because half the people don't vote. So perception is created, always perception is created, perception is created. Even in our country, perception is created. Everything is perception, and people swallow it. News channels make you think the way they want you to think. If you look at India, you have newspapers. On one side, extreme left, the most sober Hindu is leftist. Communist leftist ideology. Extreme right, the rag call times of India is right wing. In between, there are a few people who are struggling to survive. Who will you believe? Answer, nobody. Nobody. You cannot believe any news. Let me tell you, number of cases, 7 lakh, number of deaths, some 7,000. 7, Do you believe? America, 1,38,000 or 40,000 died. Do you believe they all died of COVID? No. The funny thing is that here we don't believe the actual number who died is the actual number who died by COVID. We know much more than that died by COVID. There, they have put a number and most people believe that many people died of COVID. But they didn't. Just because of some other reasons. COVID was all only that pushed them across the edge. all had underlying diseases, lung diseases, heart diseases, kidney diseases, and they died. Put it over, there has COVID death. Perception is created. Now you ask this question, why is these two perceptions created in different nations? Why is it created in America, so many people died? And why is it created a perception in China, where it all started? Only very few died. We controlled it very well. Do you see it's everything is manipulation? China millions may have died and I believe at least 20 million died of COVID. But oh, we controlled it. America, they have 350 million people, only 1 lakh 25, 30 died. You know, you haven't controlled it. Why these two different narratives and why do people believe both? Because media controls your thinking. Not a single government in the world, except for President Trump, a single government in the world has questioned China's figures. Have you noticed? And of course, North Korea says nobody died. <laughs> I'm just trying to give an example of modern day mind manipulation, of how it is taking place. And the thing is that if they will manipulate your thinking concerning something that directly affects all of us, how much more are they manipulating other things that we don't even know the truth about anything? The most important thing that has locked an entire world in 
movements of people, conversations, businesses, homes, lives, everything has been locked in using a pandemic and a narrative has been fed to us. How much more they can control other things which we are not even aware of? You know, That is why the first step of salvation when you believe also demands you come out. Come out of them, God says, separate from them. When it is talking about people, it is talking about ideas and sources that feed that ideas. Because what is the devil after? Your mind. Remember our old statement? Whoever controls your mind, controls your body. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. It's a battle being raged in the spiritual realm for the minds and the hearts of men, women and children. All of Noah's generation, their minds were taken. But scripture says, but Noah bucked that trend. You found him righteous and blameless in that generation. That would mean he thought differently. You will always have a set of people who will think differently. Who will think as you think. And therefore believe in you. And that truth would have set them free. Paul sitting in that prison in chains was the most free man in Rome. And all those who were walking around free did not know they were bound. And bound to hell. There is a day coming. And everything will be changed in an instant. The whole world will know what is true and what is lie. Who are the sons of God and who are not the sons of God. Your word says so. All of universe creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. And I pray, Father, we surrender our body, our soul, our spirit completely to you. We do not allow our faculties to be manipulated by the enemy through the systems he has created in this world. We'll allow ourselves, as you prayed for us 2,000 years ago, to be sanctified by your word. For your word is truth. We'll allow your spirit to sanctify us because your spirit is the spirit of truth. That the church will come back to truth. You are the truth. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Come in the rest of the day into thy hands. Pastor Vijay as is ministering to the youth in another meeting, another church. Pray, Lord, the Spirit would work. Continue to work in both who have heard in English or heard in hearing in Telugu. Because the God we speak is the same. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Be with us, Lord. We need you. Thought you, Lord, we'll all fall apart and swallow the lie of the enemy. We need you, Lord. We need you. Continue to speak to us. That we bring, pull down every thought, every imagination, every pretension that raises itself above the knowledge of God. Until we have brought every thought to the captivity of Christ. Then we will know we are true men and women. Then we will know we are just men and women. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 
For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.